0: back to another episode of the horror host support group a podcast and book club for the everyday horror fanatic where we center bipoc books and really love to kiki about movies and shows i am one of your hosts the lady in caramel color nail polish uh and i'm joined by my good sis partner in horror lady in red lipstick samara how are you doing girl
1: i'm doing great lady in red no (laughs) he's dancing with me who else woke up in the middle of the night (laughs) because they decided to have that playing in like the montage of like 90s white people slow jams (laughs) right like love songs (laughs) like oh lord um so yeah we're here to talk about episode four and five of the fall of the house of usher Mm -hmm. episode four being titled the black cat much like the one sitting near me um except mine are sweetie pies and the one in here not so much destroy
0: your sanity and then your (laughs) life
1: (laughs) right and my apartment like girl okay we right
0: but first at the top of
1: this episode let's rate episode four okay how many blackulas
0: i definitely give this one a 4.5 Blackula.
1: What about you? Same. I'm giving it a Mm 4.5 Blackula. Um, We just discussed before that this episode in particular does switch back and forth a lot between storylines and, you know, things like that. I think that's probably why I knocked a point off
0: because Mm -hmm. it was just
1: too much moving around. And it's really hard to remember um, everything. But you have to pay really close attention because shit really goes left in this one i feel like the first the second episode it was like you know it ramped it was like ramped up the third one we kind of cruised a little bit and then it was like bam but this one was like just action-packed the whole way through in my opinion yeah um but this one is centering around leo the other brown child Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: mm-hmm
1: who has the biggest heart of them all you mentioned in the last episode so
0: yes um I think at the end we can do a ranking of our you know the the siblings of the just the Usher family and yeah by like which ones are fave and not I'd say Leo is one of my faves Mm -hmm. so yeah this episode's about him uh the family is finding out about Camille's death and realizing that it's a pattern and not just a one-off with Harry's death and he is being asked to be the family spokesperson, to give a statement. And he's the one that's in the boardroom crying about it and, um, you know, um, the most affected. And also, we also see uh, the other siblings really just being completely unbothered by Camille's death and also i think not knowing how to handle it because camille was the spin doctor of it all and neither none of them have the the chops for that ability um so leo basically is like i'm this is all we're going to say it's a very kind of uh rote you know unfeeling statement like we're saddened by the death of camille at age 35 they asked for privacy at this time and they start arguing and the father is basically like shut the fuck up we need to close ranks we're at war i'm the captain i don't want to hear anything else but sir yes sir you got to do what i fucking tell you mm-hmm. and leo say whatever the fuck you want just say something and leo basically walks out and was like fuck this i don't give a shit didn't
1: out the right. They have to me Yeah. 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 That was oh, I felt so bad. I'm like, dang, he got the biggest heart of all. Um mm-hmm. but even before, you know, when they have that that um that meeting in the like their little PR meeting or whatever, um, Leo goes to the pet shelter to replace his boyfriend's cat mm-hmm. because I don't know if we mentioned it in the last one but he woke up and the cat was like mutilated dead and so he's like oh shit my boyfriend's gonna be devastated i like what the hell so he you know bags the pork what was left for the kitty up mm-hmm. and is like i gotta get a new one so you know he's at the shelter and the girl who's running the shelter is dun 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 verna of course mm-hmm. in one of her mini disguises i mean it's very scooby-doo-ish in my opinion um and yeah. so she's like what about this cat and he's like nah what about this cat now nah, I need a cat that's got that's a black cat with short short hair like I need it and so he he's like oh I see one what about this one and she's like that was not available and he's like but you know who the fuck I am I got money I can buy this whole shelter I can donate money whatever I have to do I need to have that cat so she gives him the cat he takes the cat home and he's like honey i'm home i found pluto which is the name of the cat somebody nicked her gucci collar but no good for and well. there was no gucci collar because that's not pluto and his boyfriend's not there and he's like oh you know daddy's not home and the cat just like goes randomly ballistic and scratches the Mm -hmm. shit out of him and then runs away he's like fuck you know whatever um but the cat he's got a cat in the house basically yeah and then the PR thing happens and then um I think there was first of all let's go back to the the Roderick thing right like he's like sir yes sir if Madeline tells you to fart into a microphone that shit (laughs) <laughs> made me laugh like like he's like he's like if madeline tells you to fart into a microphone you're gonna fucking do it because we got like t- some damage control we yeah. are a wall we gotta like close ranks um it just made me laugh i don't know why but i just giggled because i'm a child um but that's what's going on with leo i believe
0: mm-hmm. and then it
1: kind of jumps to um uh, madeline pym and uh well the Pim Reaper and uh Roderick I believe they're like sitting in um the office and they're looking at security footage from the night that Camille died in room yeah.
0: yeah and this yeah. part is this part made me laugh because they were talking about the they're looking at the footage and trying mm-hmm. to see who's the one that was you know behind the desk because they obviously have a still of Camille talking to Verna And they're like, oh, it's not Phil, the regular guy. What happened to him? Who's this woman? And Roderick goes, enhance the photo, enhance it. And I kind of laughed when Pim was like, that's not a thing. (laughs) That really It doesn't
1: work like that.
0: (laughs) It was like a whole back and forth thing. He was like, they they do
1: it in TV. And he's like, no, no, there's no, we can't enhance it. And he's like, what can we do? He's like, we can zoom in. He's like, well, zoom in then. (laughs) I just, that moment was like. (laughs)
0: like two older men fighting like it made me laugh and madeline meanwhile is completely unbothered she's just probably like these fucking idiots get the fuck on and keep talking about this so they you know they don't recognize the woman initially and they are like okay let's stay on this right meanwhile throughout um all of this Mm -hmm. uh morella is in the hospital they mm-hmm. are kind of trying to figure out fully what what has gone on with her and i think in episode four is when lenore actually goes to see her mom like everybody else at the hospital in lenore. yeah yeah lenore finally goes to see her mom at the hospital mm-hmm. um and she walks in on roderick berating frederick basically blaming him saying if you had destroyed this building none of this would have happened this is mm. on you um and i feel like it's these moments where you really get to see which children he actually loves and which ones he just kind of tolerates tolerates i i think it's like he loves all of them but he's definitely harsher to to frederick i think because he's the oldest and also kind of an idiot versus the way that he yeah. you know He spoke to, like, I think had, you know, Frederick or uh, Tamerlane been the one that was, like, cut me out of the will, I think he probably would have been like, fine, you're out. Mm -hmm. But I think Leo, he knew, because in this episode, Frederick also, or Roderick also says that Leo's the most like him when it comes to handling grief. And he Mm -hmm. deflects and lashes out and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I think he knew okay he's not serious he doesn't mean it he just needs yeah a
1: minute. he's just grieving which on roderick's part is compassionate i guess like even if he is a hard ass he still seems to know his children pretty well like well enough to like not jump to conclusions or make decisions right based on their grief yeah. or any snappy judgments mm-hmm. i know speaking of leo's grief he's like having a meltdown in his wardrobe closet <laughs> um and he's like i don't have a fucking black suit anywhere um i can't believe you know there's a double funeral and he's like wait i do have a black suit and he pulls it out he's like but it's satin and camille always said that satin was silk for poor people i can't wear this shit basically and his boyfriend's trying to be understanding like it's okay i'll take care of it and and he's like you know getting getting you know close Closer than Leo, it seems that he and Leo have, have like this, this relationship, like, like this, um, understanding in the relationship not to get too mushy or anything like that. And he kind of like Leo gives his boyfriend like a look like, okay, back off. You're getting a little too intimate. And so he's like, all right, you know, but have you seen the cat anywhere? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. yeah, she's here. She's probably shaking off some trauma. I've I, you know, I saw her this morning. And he's like, okay, so he leaves. And as Leo's putting the suit back, the cat jumps out and like jumps at his face and freaks him out. And he's like, ah. the boyfriend's like, what? And he was like, you just missed her. She just she just went by. But like this cat is wild as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the cat was just like waiting, like lying in I, wait. <laughs>
0: I think it's also like, I don't necessarily know that it's he and Julius aren't that close. I, I think it's more of like Leo is the kind of person. You, when he grieves, he just wants to be, kind of left alone. Like, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. And I, I can understand that because, I, you know, everybody obviously everybody grieves differently. Everybody handles things differently. I.
1: Something me, Leo says. Happens.
0: Yeah. So for me <laughs> that happens when I get stressed. When I get really stressed, I'm like, don't touch me. Don't look at me. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't ask mm-hmm. me shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm like really angry, when I'm grieving, I'm I'm I just want to be held and mm-hmm. you know cradled in a cloud and have all the chocolate, you know? Yeah, so it's a pity cradled they didn't just veg out in front of the TV with chocolate, maybe what it solves their problem,
1: man. Hold, like Leo's wild, everybody knows this so far, but he grieves the hardest, you can tell he cared the most. Yeah. Um, so he, so apparently the ushers are doing court like the next day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um. But they're thirty minutes behind, like everyone's waiting, and then um, August DuPont, it's like, or Dupin Dupin. I'm pretty sure it's French or something. Dupin mm-hmm. is like, okay, Your Honor. Like anybody else, you would hold them in contempt of court for being this late. Um, uh, but it seems like the ushers get like special treatment and you know the the judge is like what do you mean you know you you make accusations like what's going on and I'm like oh, of course this judge is in their back pocket we know this um and so the pen reaper shows up and it's like hey just found out that um Camille is dead Camille Usher is dead you know uh, and, they, and the family needs time to grieve so the case gets postponed you know court date gets postponed and of course august is like pissed he's like come on this is just like some bullshit like anybody else you wouldn't let this happen like this wouldn't be happening um and then meanwhile roderick is um questioning victorine about why camille was at mm-hmm. rue Morg. um and the discussion pretty heated like they they starting to like get into it i don't think curse words were exchanged quite yet but they do end in that like <laughs> like Victorine's like fuck you like basically um or rather tells him to fuck off because he's like are you the informant I, is that why Camille was like on your ass and she's like well maybe Camille was on my ass because you put out a 50 what how much was that bounty 50 million dollar like <clears throat> bounty on on each other and Camille like as always you know you could tell Camille always disliked Victorine right um yeah as far as the bastards go, I think Victorine was the golden one. Um, Roderick yes. obviously has, like, a soft spot for her. Um, and so, you know, Victorine basically um, she eventually does admit that Camille might have been snooping around because of the chimpan- the chimpanzees, right? Um, so that she could, like, kill Victorine's research or whatever. And, um, and Apparently, like, I missed this the first time I watched it, but apparently Roderick knew about the chimps, like, just disappearing. He was helping to cover it up. He was, like, giving money to all of these, like, habitats and shit. So Mm. he, like, knew about the chimps, like, the numbers not adding up as far as, like, the chimps and the trials. Um, And then, like, at some point, Victorine, you know, he's getting, like, in Victorine's ass about... The research and how he should just shut it down and put all that money towards his other kids enterprises and so she gets nervous and she's like well we're ready for human trials <laughs> no i'm good feeling well they're not ready for human trials at all you know um uh, but roderick's happy and so she's like good and it seems like you know victorine thrives under his approval so she's like yeah we're ready we're totally ready um we're gonna start lining people up he's like you got the data for this to back this up because we gotta have that data and she's like i got the data dad she ain't got the data
0: yeah i mean yeah it definitely does feel like victorine is his favorite of probably i would I say all victorine the kids favorite of all the kids but i do wonder why he keeps seeing perry the most
1: throughout mm-hmm. the
0: series because perry like tends to be who he ends up seeing the Mm -hmm. most he does um so that's an interesting interesting note i think i i I don't i don't know maybe yeah i don't know anyway (laughs) that's something (laughs) to ponder why he keeps saying perry the most so another thing that happens you know is uh victorine goes to visit her um I think this happens in episode three, but we didn't fully explore it. Victorine Mm -hmm. had gone to visit her girlfriend's clinic, runs Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. Verna in a disguise as a woman who needs a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. So they have this full conversation. Victorine, when she talks about human trials, this is a woman she's planning to do the trial on. So in episode four, this woman is signing all this paperwork Mm -hmm. to basically be the first human trial for it. Uh, Victorine's lying her ass off. She knows good and damn well <clears throat> they're not ready for human trials, mm-hmm. and that her girlfriend, who's supposed to perform the surgery, is not would, Aware. would not want to do it. She and wouldn't is want to do it. Yeah. So she forges her signature and all of that. Um, we also get flashbacks of them uh, in back in the kind of eighties, you mm-hmm. know, seventy. 70-
1: 79ers, yeah.
0: We get more flashbacks of this New Year's Eve party that they're at where Madeline basically finally tells her true desire, which is basically that she, mm-hmm. she wants to be rich, she wants to never let a man have power over her, and she wants to find a way to live forever. And kisses Verna right at as Val drops, mm-hmm. who says, cheers to you, Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you know, basically Roderick was kissing somebody else and Dupont is like, oh, is this when it started? You lock mm-hmm. and lips to somebody else on New Year's while Annabelle was at home with the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's probably I, I was like, that's a read. Yeah, it really is, wasn't it? I and it's so funny because like
1: when they're they're having this is like present-present, I guess. They're, they're in the old Usher house. It's dilapidated and all this stuff. Like, it's just Dupin and Roderick. And they're, you know, thinking about... And then Leonard drop. Okay. Thinking about... uh talk, You know, reminiscing about that night. Basically, like, it's 1979 before the ball drops. Yeah. And then they also... Like, what happened? I think they're having, like, a regular conversation when the biggest fucking... Jump scare of my life in this show mm-hmm. happens, which is Leo's body just like falling from the fucking ceiling right yeah. right in front of like right in front of Roderick and Roderick freaks out and Dupont's like what the fuck what's happening because he can't see it, only Roderick can mm-hmm. and Roderick gets upset and starts screaming like I was fucking talking and Dupont's like bitch don't yell at me. <laughs> yeah you don't fucking yell at me like that's not what we doing and and Roderick backs down and he's like I'm sorry you know I've always respected you and Augie's like well August he's not Augie yet August um it's like well you got a fucking funny way of showing it and so Roderick's all like he like turns the table a little bit he's like do you remember when we first met and so they jump all the way back to when Dupont and um Roderick first met. Uh, and I believe mm-hmm. Pon knocked on his door and was like, Have you heard good word about our Lord and Savior? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, I know you work for Fortunato. I just got some questions um about you know, some some stuff, paperwork. I'm just trying to do the right thing. And Roderick about to slam the fucking door in his face, but his wife Annabelle Lee, who's sweetheart,'s like, no, come in. So they're sitting down and they're going... And we talked about this in the last one. I think we jumped yeah. too far ahead. So this is the part where they sit down and, you know, um, DuPont shows him all of the Ford signatures and Roderick star acting like, he don't know what's going on, quote unquote, and confronts his boss. And his boss is like, we're on the same team. We're team players. Like, that was that part.
0: That happened.
1: Um, yeah. yeah.
0: And Madeline's reaction of, you're gonna, yeah. you know, eat, shit, eat shit and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Back to Leo. Essentially, he's fully descending into madness because he's he's trying to find this cat and He can't figure out what's going on. Mm. And Freddy shows up at his apartment. It's like, hi, I need drugs. And he gives yes. him a bag of coke. <laughs> the cat mm-hmm. tags Leo in the eye. And then Leo basically, again, keeps kind of descending into madness because he keeps finding dead like mice and rats and gifts from Mm -hmm. this cat all over the place so he calls verna the shelter woman to come and get the cat back and she's like you know cats are natural predators and Mm -hmm. you know they leave gifts to teach you how to hunt and it's usually harmless Mm -hmm. and she's like your dad's like that too right he's a predator isn't he and you know does her whole like creepy toying around with essentially her prey basically Mm -hmm. and you know leo thumbs one of the eyeballs out of the cat as it scratches him
1: not my favorite part
0: right and she says you know the cats in the walls so then he gets the idea to start taking his thor's hammer to the (laughs) walls of his loft apartment and just smashing apart the walls and so he's doing this he's doing this uh you know Freddie is taking it kind of a step back with this fucking chucklehead. So he's doing coke and he's <laughs> nervous as hell because right. he, Pim gave him the cell phone, the burner phone that Perry had given Morella in episode two. Right, And he's like, what the fuck was this? Why would my wife have another phone? Why did she mm-hmm. take her wedding ring off? Why can't we find her wedding ring? Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get into the phone and his daughter's like, you just can use a password. You can use your face ID or a thumbprint. Like, there's no other way to get into a fucking phone unless you're right. basically like Apple. Right. You know? So he he's doing coke because he's stressed and nervous and worried that, you know, his wife was cheating on him. Um,
1: <clears throat> Which is not where my mind would be if my wife was, like, head to toe, chemical burned. But go off.
0: Right. I, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would wonder, like, why she was there, but yeah. that would be a conversation to be had.
1: Once she was better.
0: Once she was better, right? Um, and then you can grapple with whether or not her mm-hmm. potentially cheating on you mm-hmm. is worth not being with them, knowing that you just watched this person almost die, right? Right.
1: So, like, uh, Lenore kind of reveals, like, but sp- I'll let you know, like, that phone... Um, the screen is it's factory preset and he's like mm-hmm. okay and she's like well mom always has pictures of cakes and shit on her phone so it can't really be hers can it
0: mm-hmm. and so he's
1: like okay maybe it's not her phone he just goes kind of back and forth with this shit and I hated his character but we won't get into that yet
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right also because when he goes to visit Leo mm-hmm. Leo's like what the fuck are you doing here And he, you know, we find out that he's never visited this apartment before. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you can, again, feel the gulf between these siblings. Whereas when in the last episode, when Camille showed up, she had obviously been at Leo's apartment.
1: Took her shoes off, she knew exactly where to go.
0: She and the boyfriend was like, do you want more wine? Do you want like, it looked like they had kicked it before as like Mm -hmm. siblings. Yeah. Yeah. To where Julius was comfortable around her, and they were mm-hmm. kind of like kind of jokey and whatever. There was a right. little bit of warmth to that relationship, and exactly. I that that you know, Freddie obviously doesn't have with any of them. But
1: yeah, know. I don't think he even had that with his sister Tamerlane, really. But, no, because
0: Tamerlane's know. a bitch.
1: Yeah, she's insane. We'll talk about her later too. Um. Wow. And
0: well, yes. Well, speaking of her. We, mm-hmm. I think in episode four is where she has her first encounter with Verna because yes. he established that she uh, essentially it, her king is watching her husband play house with another woman and watching him that looks like her and watching him romance and fuck another woman that looks like her. And so Verna comes and is like, don't worry, I'm the new girl. You know, my name is Candy. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And so she starts to watch them, you know, do the thing. And it's very telling the moment where Verna asks Bill how his day was, because he just heaves this huge sigh as though he's never asked how his day was.
1: Very true. I think that this happened in a previous episode because during this one fourth episode she's so Tamerlane is watching bill's built exercise thing and he's Mm -hmm. she sees the woman that supposedly showed up to the door you know in in the video and she's like what the fuck Mm -hmm. it's inappropriate they have a whole argument about it and bill's like i didn't even fucking recognize her what are you talking about? Which I believe because I bet you she looked like somebody else completely to him. Right. A master of disguise, clearly. <laughs> All right. But she's like, she's like, get rid of her. I don't want to see her like call the agency mm-hmm. that sends the girls, tell them not to send her ever again, blah, blah, splee.
0: Yeah. So then kind of nearing the end of episode four, we also have, I think this is also the episode where they start to re Start to to think that maybe they do know who this person is because yeah, they finally get Madeline, the enhanced
1: photo. <laughs> yeah, Madeline gets the
0: enhanced photo. She sends it to Roderick, and he she's like ringing any belt, and he kind of obviously has a look on his face. She goes to where the bar had been, and mm. sees that there's no bar there, but a raven does appear, and they kind of have a stare down. Also in this right. episode roderick confesses to madeline what is wrong with him because Mm -hmm. he has a moment where he's talking to juno who's trying to you know number one seduce him but number two also convince him to let her not be on ligadone because her role in his life is essentially to be the trophy wife who is the Mm -hmm. miracle proof that ligadone is not something that will ruin your life because she takes astronomical amounts of it daily and is right. quote unquote fine um so when she asks him hey can I stop taking this he basically is like
1: uh, no no you're my proof you're my most precious precious pr- proof mm-hmm. that ligadone works and it's not addictive and you can take it and won't die blah, blah blah and so she's like you know she's she's eating the bullshit and and so you know she lives right. in, a, you know, goes on another day or whatever, but
0: and uh, she's and, obviously upset by that.
1: Yeah, she's very upset. Um, she don't she's she wants off of it. Who wants to be on drugs the rest of their life? Um, it's also revealed earlier during the PR meeting that Juno is in fact in the will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which I like for her because right. she deserves it.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, and none of the kids deserve it, and they just constantly just say the the rudest things even and not even caring that she's there but it is it's the moment between her and Roderick where again he sees Perry again uh and has his first kind of like hallucinatory moment right in front of Juno and then Matt you know he tells Madeline about uh this the fact that he has the same disease as her mother had mm-hmm. so that happens we also then, you know, go back to Leo and he basically destroying the walls. Julius returns home. He's like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, uh, Leo has completely just dis- descended place. into madness. Mm-hmm. And then he sees the cat on the balcony and starts running towards it and...
1: Swings that door hammer. Swings that.
0: And the, the weight of the hammer...
1: Swings, topples him in off the of balcony. his balcony pop splat stuck like that um and then the real cat
0: oh the real cat yeah comes by and climbs on him looks at him and then walks him
1: it keeps it moving like ugh, pathetic and just leaves <laughs> just like how a black cat would behave <laughs> right and it was like ending credit you know um I love that episode, but it was, it was crazy. I remember seeing something similar in Tales from the Dark Side. Mm -hmm. This dude was going insane. It was like one of the, you know, one of the shorts from, I think it was Tales from the Dark Side movie, actually. And the dude was going insane trying to like catch this black cat. Because that black cat was tearing him up. I need to find it. But that's what that that's what this episode gave me, and I'm wondering if it was based off of. I'm pretty sure it might have been based off of Edgar Allan Poe's, like, yeah, the Black Cat.
0: It could be, yeah. Because
1: it's too similar.
0: Um, mhm Well, let's talk about episode five now. What what mm-hmm. is your Blackula rating for this? I, what's your rating?
1: Um. What was the title of five again?
0: Telltale heart.
1: Ah. Five blacklists.
0: I give this one five blacklists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a little biased because Tell Tell Heart is my favorite Poe mm-hmm. story or short story. Mm-hmm. So I'm biased even as a because kid, I was fascinated.
1: <laughs> I'm biased because I really like the actress who played Victorine. she's phenomenal. I think she's Miller, phenomenal, yeah. I think she's phenomenal and I couldn't wait to get to her episode. Um, also, I think her episode was the saddest
0: I would agree with that
1: yeah I felt really bad for her but let's talk about why it was the saddest
0: (laughs) yeah I mean so basically uh you know this is completely like out of order but in this episode we get the funeral of the first the three children and there's it's a packed funeral home and you know uh, everybody's there, including the moms. Tamerlane is sitting there on her phone still working, completely unbothered. And, you know, Broderick um, is having hallucinations. He's seeing the bodies of these three kids. He's seeing a person in a jester costume. And he kind of has a little moment where he's stumbling and Madeline and Juno, you know, help him and, and walk outside. Um, isn't you know, this, this this
1: kind of it's the full circle like this is what happened in the beginning of the first episode
0: or mm, the end that's, the that's end the, of the that's first episode the, the other funeral
1: oh geez I always forget I always forget yeah yeah very yeah. similar
0: so you know um we also get you know Roderick talking to Augie at this point. August, and he's hearing some noise happening in the basement. He's like, what's going on? And he, Roderick's like, that's Madeline. She's tinkering. She's a genius. And we see her sitting down with Griswold, um, Roderick's boss, basically trying to get him to digitize all of their records and saying that it's the wave of the future and it'll give you a lot more information for you to basically better be able to make more money. And he... At this point, doesn't like the fact that she rebuffs him because he tries to hit on her. She, you know, swerves him, basically. And then he starts trying to humiliate her. And he and she points that out. And when she does, he goes, oh, I don't need to do that. You already do it yourself because everybody around here knows who your father was. Everybody around here knows also who your mother was. And he specifically says she was a full-service secretary, Essentially implying that she has she had likely had sex with or performed sexual acts for multiple men in the company. Which, hey, if it was consensual, do your thing, boo-boo. But I don't know that it fully was. And that's the power
1: structure wouldn't have allowed for it to actually be truly consensual. But yeah. yes.
0: And so, you know, obviously Madeline is after this conversation, she's upset, she's enraged. I wouldn't necessarily say that she's humiliated, but I would say that she kind of has that like, okay, I got your number kind of thing. She goes back to the house and tells Annabelle, Roderick and August, who they have called, they've recruited, they're they're kind of forming this alliance. Annabelle is, you know, very upset about it. And Madeline's like, why? It's just, he's just a man. And I had to see what we're dealing with and he's not smart. You know, good like good thing he's not smart.
1: Yeah, it was and it was totally a recon mission. I yeah. knew she knew he would never fall for the whole digitization of the record. She was mm-hmm. just sizing him up.
0: Yeah. Because his his implication was, oh, you and your brother are up to something because one week after he's talking to me about Ford signatures, you're over here trying to get me to digitize the records. And get them out of the basement. So, so she also got that information that the records are still, they're not digitized. They're still in the basement, and all of that. And what I think we get one of the best, I think moments in the show, is in my opinion when August basically says he underestimated you, and that's good. That's to your advantage. If he had thought you were smart, he would have shut down. He wouldn't have said anything. He's like people underestimate me all the time. Doesn't matter where I go, they do. And I just, I thought that was so smart because it's basically like you have to understand your place in the world to then understand that people underestimate you for that place. And then instead of like getting upset about it and trying to prove your worth, outwardly you have to go, okay, just watch and, like, take that Mm -hmm. underestimation and use it against them.
1: Right. Take your power. And Madeline did that. She's my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and she's like, this one gets it, right? And so you Mm -hmm. see that in a lot of ways, August and Madeline are very similar Mm -hmm. in that way. They're very calculating.
1: Mm -hmm. You have to be to be them once you think about it in this type of situation. So, But, you know, Roderick, he's a white male he ain't gotta be shit he'll, he'll sail um and it shows right and then the annabelle mm-hmm. Lee is just like meh you know bright eye push it she's just a good person who doesn't belong in this world and like, you sweet baby angel you sweet she summer
0: child yes <laughs> it makes me wonder why she's with broderick and how honest he's been with her because... I don't think he was
1: honest with her at all. I think yeah. at some point in the time he met Annabelle, Lee, this is just me, this is pure speculation. He he didn't he never thought about actually being able to take back Fortunato. Mm. I don't think he ever thought that would happen and was probably just resigned to his life and decided like to find some happiness. And he found that with Annabelle Lee and married her and had kids. But Madeline is the one who would never let it go. Mm-hmm. And out of his like love and loyalty to his twin, I think it warped him. And like he yeah. could never let it go, in spite yeah. of having this beautiful family, right? So because honestly, he could have he could have found another job. He really could have, but he was like, No. Madeline was like, nah, you can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think these two women represent for Roderick, uh like a dichotomy of what mm-hmm. what we want. Do you want love or do you want power? Mm-hmm. I think Madeline represents like power and money and all of that. Mm-hmm. And Annabelle represents like happiness and love and peace. Mm-hmm. They would have been poor, but I think their life would have been far more peaceful than it mm-hmm. ended up being. Right. Well, that was a deep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. Nah.
1: But not really. We had to, we had to do that. We got to do a breakdown session here and there. Um, something so it was very interesting what you mentioned with how Madeline and Augie were very similar, um, in the way that they had to be you know, they were calculating, you know, both were calculating, mm-hmm. both were very smart, and I feel like that's very, I don't know, it's like, mm, how can I say this? It's gonna sound really weird. I don't know if I even should, I'll probably cut this out. I gotta say it though. Black men and white women have a lot more in common than people really think about. And that kind of I mean, maybe I'll keep this in then. That that shows up in the show. Yes. They're both like they're both drawn to attaining what is essentially white male power in the world, and it can corrupt.
0: Yes, uh, I've seen tweets where people say that black men are the white, the white people of the black community. Black community, and I yes. think they very much mean like cis head black men. Yeah. Now you know August is gay, so mm-hmm. there's that. But I I think the point essentially is when you when you have multiple intersectionalities, however, you still exist at a kind of an apex Mm -hmm, right like mm -hmm. uh august is black but he's still a man Mm -hmm. and madeline is a woman but she's still white White. Mm -hmm. and you have that whiteness and that maleness Mm -hmm. um you don't fully like understand the power Mm -hmm. dynamic that you hold over so many other people
1: Mm -hmm. and for
0: some people that can also translate into a, uh, instead of seeking liberation for all and instead of uh, wanting everybody to be free, it's uh, you want to have the same power as white
1: Mm -hmm. cishet men and you want to have that power over people not with exactly people
0: instead of dismantling white supremacy it's not about dismantling the systems mm-hmm. that keep us all oppressed. it's about you, you attaining at the, the same level of power exactly. and that's why when we see things like when will smith uh smacked chris rock or all of mm-hmm. these other things or like a better example would be with bill cosby mm-hmm. how so many black men specifically were upset about bill cosby of how harsh his treatment was versus mm-hmm. harvey weinstein and while there is some merit there mm-hmm. the argument was not always in good faith because like very yeah. much like it's it saying like you want him to get him away to get with. away with it yeah like he
1: got away with it how come he can't and i'm like why can't they both be under the fucking jail Exactly, because they both did something horrible so they both exactly. should get the same treatment which is under the fucking jail Exactly, not getting off because the white guy got off that's some bullshit
0: and it's the same thing with with white women and you know uh white mm-hmm. feminism this whole mm-hmm. like, thing of like women should be writing for it's giving Taylor Swift vibes this whole like there's a special place for for in hell for women who don't help other women. Meanwhile, like they are the same ones who are over here trying to lecture black women on how we need to be doing this, that, and the third, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. using their tears against us and all of yeah. these other things. Do you know so. that shit
1: that, that brings me back really funny to like this this TikTok? Um this girl, this woman was like, um anybody who who like outwardly really like is just disgusted by Taylor Swift is not a girl's girl. Yeah. And then someone stitched and was like there's something anti-black about that, but I can't quite put my finger on it and i was like, <laughs> and it's so true i was like i can't i put my finger on it but i i agree there is something super anti-black about that statement i agree i'm like i, agree. I don't really listen to Taylor Swift. i don't hate her but i'm not like you know i'm not a fan i'm I not think paying money to go see her but
0: yeah I- if I had to, if I had to guess, I think the anti-Blackness comes in not keeping in the context of some of the things that she's said and done. Mm. Um, In the fact that she notoriously is very like silent when people ask her, hey, you have all of these fans who are kind of like neo-Nazis and incels and like super right wing and she kind of and what are your politics and for mm-hmm. a long time she was never really addressing that right I think it's also just in again like a lot of her past actions and things she said mm-hmm. and done that have been anti-black so then when you sit here and try to say if you don't like Taylor Swift you're not a girl's girl what you mean is you're not a white woman's white woman
1: right it's so funny you mention how how her group is like neo-nazis and cells and so because like, like R.F. Kwang pointed that out in her latest book Yellow Face mm. which I highly recommend that everybody read because it's just dear God in heaven it's insane but anyway <laughs> we got a little off topic but not really but we'll bring it we'll bring it we'll tighten it back up we'll bring it back to Augie and uh, Madeline being basically right here with each other yeah. like they get it they get each other
0: and, and another <laughs> person in the show who is calculating is victorine yes and she so after the funeral she buys out the bar and invites Broderick uh, or frederick and tamerlane mm-hmm. uh and then they all have bodyguards now yeah and they're all being followed yeah and they're they're, <laughs> they're talking and you know victorine it seems like She tried to have a conversation in good faith of basically, like, we need to get on the same page. We need to stop fucking around and, like, hating Mm -hmm. each other. You know, Mm -hmm. there's only three of us left. Tamerlane basically is rejecting it because she's like, well, there's two of us and then you're the bastard still. And uh, I don't know what the fuck fuck. you want me to do. Right. Um, Freddie seems to just be kind of blowing in the wind, not really
1: he's still occupied with maury and that damn phone basically yeah
0: yes yeah so they're they're talking about you know their childhoods and things like that and how mm-hmm. each of them had had you know a hole that they would fill with different things and tamerlane mm-hmm. it's like you know you you fill that hole with you know your science and the chimps and this that and the other and they basically. Like, every single conversation that they all seem to have with each other just descends into an argument and Mm -hmm. into who is most oppressed, the most affected by dad, the most impacted by their childhood, who's, Mm -hmm. you know, the most loved, all of that kind of stuff. There's
1: a Simple Plan song in there somewhere, but I can't (laughs) quite pull it.
0: And Victory (laughs) says basically, like, dad throws us scraps and we all fight over it and he basically,
1: watches basically basically that is very true does he mean to do it fuck yeah i think he enjoys it
0: mhm
1: cuz it just comes back to power like but yeah she like you said they're being followed i believe i don't know cuz like episode 5 is blurry for me i just remember the big parts cuz it was such a crazy episode but i believe Victorine goes home and is confronted yeah. by her girlfriend, Dr. Ruiz. Yep. Um, because she's like, my fucking name's on this shit. Like, sh- I believe she forged signatures. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not gonna do this surgery. It's not ready for human trials. Like, where the fuck did you find somebody to do this? And and so Victor- Victorine's like, we can fucking do it. We can do it. Like, she's, yeah. she's, on-, she's on one. Like basically the pressure from feeling she feels pressure from her dad yep and it's like driving her to madness (laughs) because what the fuck like the chimps have been dying none of them have survived what makes her think that this is the one like this is it this is gonna work on a human no less
0: (laughs) yeah a I human mean,
1: with rights
0: <laughs> right so they're having this conversation it's not well it's it's an argument, it's an argument. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh uh you know dr Ru- ruiz is basically like i'm out i'm done I'm, i i don't want to do this anymore yeah. i don't want to be with you anymore fuck oh, it all you
1: were different yeah
0: mm-hmm. all that gets and victory picks up a statue and throws it and then the scene immediately cuts to her being at her desk in her office trying to call uh, her girlfriend is like this is the third message i've left you i don't know what's going on and meanwhile she's hearing this weird i can only describe it as like a squelching sound mm-hmm. it's like a yeah it's like a weird weird sound that only yeah. she seems to be able to hear mm-hmm. and when her aunt visits her she can't she can't hear it, but her aunt's basically like, I heard about these human trials, and Mm. this, that, and the other, because essentially they want to be able to put this heart valve in Roderick, not Mm. only just to make sure that he doesn't die from Castle, but I'm assuming also because if he doesn't die, then the other kids won't die, because the whole point is, like, or, I don't even know if they're thinking about the kids, I think it's just thinking about They just think about
1: themselves, yeah. Also... Yeah, we'll get. Oh, I was gonna say something, but never mind, we'll get into it after. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but yeah, um, that's why that's that heart I don't even know what to call it. It was like a heart monitor kind of thing. Yeah, it's more than a monitor though. Like, if anything goes weird, the heart will course correct mm-hmm. basically. So, it's better than a heart monitor. I wish it was. I don't know if this thing isn't real, I don't believe it's real. I wish it was because that's actually ground fucking breaking and because of this show someone is going to
0: try to make it happen you know this probably in real life yep so they have this conversation essentially the next scene is madeline talking with uh him and roderick and essentially bringing up what happened new year's 1979 and roderick's like you, we, you're bringing this up in front of somebody else. You're not supposed to be talking about this shit in front of nobody else. What's going on? And mm-hmm. she floats this theory that maybe you had sex with this bartender and got her pregnant and the person that's doing all of this to these kids is, you know, some long lost child mm-hmm. that's trying to, to be out for vengeance.
1: So mm-hmm. Tamerlane starts to hear shit. Because mm-hmm. Because the show is, like, revving up to get to her episode, basically. She she and Bill start to have issues, marital issues. Like, she's not sleeping. Mm-hmm. She's paranoid. She keeps accusing him of cheating with him, with that woman that she saw in the yeah. video. And they, they really do. Like, I, I believe she ends up make, telling Bill to leave at some point. Like, you're nothing without me. I need to launch my product because he's trying to get her to slow down. He's trying to get her to take care of herself, but she's not trying to hear that noise. She's trying to be the like lead of the family, basically like fuck Froderick. She's got it. She's got the smarts and she's got, she's just got that it factor. The family should be led by a woman. Yeah. Right. She, she's the, she's the good one. She's a smart one. She's got the balls. Um, so that's, that's kind of like what's going on with Tamerlane. um, Mm -hmm. I don't know why she couldn't sleep. Like, I think there was something going on that maybe Verna did to her or any, I don't know. But she just could not sleep.
0: I think it was partially the stress of this launch. Like, she's basically trying to launch, like, essentially what's going to be a goop-type box, which we'll get into Mm -hmm. in the next episode. But Mm -hmm. I think it's the stress from all of that. Plus, I think she really is affected by her sibling's death. She's probably Mm -hmm. scared that something's going to happen to her. But also I think she's so her whole personality is like unbothered. And so I think, well, not unbothered, but like this self-centered care less. You yep. and self-centered that I think that she's not <clears throat> really able to to come to terms with the fact that she's affected by these deaths. Right. Um, this episode also has DuPont admitting or August. Dupont, same person, admitting that he lied about the informant's existence. Mm -hmm. So he basically says there was no informant and I thought that, you know, it would put you all against each other and maybe somebody would crack and come and eventually be an informant. And, you know, he tells this to Roderick who basically is like, it's not your fault that my kids died. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, And so essentially, kind of after all of this Roderick visits Victorine at her home for the heart mesh and she's hearing this ticking noise right this ticking kind of squelching noise but he hears it too he hears
1: it too so this is the first time someone else has heard it besides her because she's been asking people like all day like do you Mm -hmm. hear that shit and they're like "Mm, no
0: right (laughs) so then you know she's hearing this noise and then we get another time jump, only this time, back to the night of Victorine and Allie's argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allie being Dr. Ruiz. And essentially, after Victorine, Allie says, I'm leaving, Victorine throws something and hits her in the head. Yep. Causing a massive head wound and causing her to go down and she's she's dying. Like and bleeding
1: out on the floor. Bleeding like. out. Ugh.
0: And one of the security guards, or the security is outside and he's trying to come in. Like, what's going on? And Victorine's mm-hmm. like, haven't you ever heard of heard a woman getting eaten out? Get the fuck out of here before I replace you. you put it, you know. I, I don't know why that that line just really sent me, but... <laughs> it made me
1: laugh, too, even though Home Slice was, like, on the ground, dying, slowly. And was very aware she was dying, because she looked like scared as fuck Mm -hmm. um and instead of getting help victorine's like i'm so sorry you were gonna leave blah 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 and then she gets this thought in her head she's like it's okay i'm I'm gonna fix you up how do you think she fixed her up how do you think (laughs) y'all you're right with the fucking heart mesh which jumping back to the Present time, um, I think Ro- Roderick like goes to find the sound. Victorine's like, no, don't go in there. And so he opens the door, and there's Dr. Ruiz. I think she's sitting on like a desk or something or or a dresser. But you know, Victorine is cut into her, cut into her chest, and like put the mesh around her heart, and it's going. It's like this weird weird squelch there's no other You're yeah, right it is a squelch like a ticking squelch there's no other way to say it um right. but obviously it's not keeping dr Rubis alive she has gone nothing can keep her alive and victorine's like there you are darling i was looking for you all day she's gone mad y'all absolutely insane um it's like talking to the like Dr. uh, Allie as if she's alive and Roderick is standing there like looking at his daughter and he's like so shook he looks like he's about to break the fuck down seeing his daughter like this and and like, like Victorine's acting like Allie's talking to her and all that stuff and he's like she's dead like you know she's dead there's no no person talking to you like what the hell and then I think there's like a glimmer of understanding in Victorine's eyes when she realized what she did she does this for some reason she says it I can't remember though like the reason she like stabs herself in the fucking heart basically
0: I think <laughs> so I took it as like Verna had kind of possessed her mm-hmm. and because I think she said like uh, it didn't have to be this way some, some kind of fun like Mm -hmm. thing right and I think so this is the first time that Roderick is really see like seeing in person the effect because Mm -hmm. this is the only death that Roderick is actually present for which I think again points to the fact that he Victorine is his favorite his favorite Mm -hmm. also she might be his favorite because she's the only one that's actually tangent like tangibly doing something for him yeah like she's doing this heart monitor and so I think he's She's his favorite because, he, mm-hmm. like, he needs the heart, monitor.
1: right? Watching his favorite and his last hope die right in front of him. Yep, yeah. I know Verna was like in the background, cackling maniacally. Right.
0: And it's sad because Victorine dies by her own hand. Mm-hmm. All of the deaths are sad, except for Derek. All of the deaths are sad, and Tamerlane. not <laughs> yeah, huh? but I think Victorine's felt the most sad because. Uh, out of all of them i think she she was acting from an intense amount of pressure from her father Mm -hmm. and i don't think she would have done the stuff with the chimpanzees i don't think she would afford the signature if it wasn't in a situation where she was threatening being threatened to lose funding which would mean not just funding but his favoritism all the other siblings would probably nag her and make snide remarks about her to her face mm-hmm. ha ha you couldn't do it we knew right. it you ain't shit and i just think that she couldn't handle that and that's why she lied and that's why she was like no we're close we can actually do it mm-hmm. and i think that part of why it's so sad is that she she truly didn't really have anybody
1: mm-hmm none of them deserved it nobody deserves to go out like they did like not even Frederick. but now nah, wait that's a lie Frederick deserved that tamerlane i don't think she deserved going out the way she did that was fucked up only rod only froderick yes deserved it honestly um but i really felt for leo and i really felt for victorine because they on um, they weren't even objectively horrible people really they, they had their issues but like camille was kind of a horrible person perry was kind of a horrible person mm-hmm. so was tamerlane and frederick
0: yeah
1: but yeah. yeah those two leo and victorine weren't terrible you know i
0: would agree yeah so you know that's essentially uh episode episode five mm-hmm. and the tail tail uh...
1: heart so we will yeah. next week be yeah, okay, okay. talking about episodes six and seven,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which will be um the the two eldest. So that's Tamerlane and then Froderick. So yes. yeah, stay tuned. And I'm gonna wrap this one up if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Horror Host Support Group podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and x slash twitter under horror host support group host spelled h-e-a-u-x and if you want to join our book club just click the also link in the TikTok. description on our insta and tiktok i don't know why it's missing tiktok yes but it's you know yeah you can find us on tiktok as well at horror Ho support group um if you want to join our book club, just click the link in the description on our Insta and you're there. You can find Amanda and learn all about her work on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube under the name Amanda the Author, these spelled with two E's, and on Twitter at Amanda the Author with just one E. And you can find me, Samara, on the same platforms under the name Samara Reads 2. And don't forget to check out my indie book box, fifthhousecollective.com. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.